Last year, the Isle of Man was warmer and sunnier than it has been since records began, so why is Paul Crane MLC so worried? 2022 had three times more thunderstorms than usual, but slightly less rain, so we're more likely to get flooding when it does rain, and only one of the past 25 years has been cooler than average. Mr Crane may be a bit of a statistics nerd, but he's concerned at these long-term trends. The Isle of Man is getting warmer and sunnier. Oh, that's got to be a good thing. <laughs> it sounds as if it has to be a good thing. Um, yes, the, the uh, temperatures, the, the mean annual temperature in the Isle of Man, which is a, um, a temperature that's based, uh, first of all, on the daily temperatures recorded, and then they're turned into the, the average for each month, and then you turn the averages of the months into this mean annual temperature. The mean annual temperature in 2022... Um, was uh, 11.14 degrees Celsius. Doesn't sound like a huge amount, you know, because you, you're used to thinking, oh, 20 degrees or something is a lovely hot day. But 11, 11.14 is the, uh, the the highest temperature recorded, the highest annual temperature recorded in the Isle of Man since the Met Office opened. It, it opened in 1947 when the airport opened, but its first full year of records was 1948. So there's 75 years of continuous records, and this was the, the record year, beating 2014 by a small amount. Um, but the bigger picture in this is is not so much, oh, there's one year it's been, been the hottest year. The bigger picture is that if you try to graph that in, in a very visually effective way, using what's known as climate warming stripes developed at Reading University and now used the world over, you can see that if you take the average of the mid-30 years, because climate data is based on 30 years, if you take the average of the mid-30 years and then you compare all the last 75 years with that middle average, you can see how um, the, the, the temperature changes. If you colour the, the years that were colder than the average in blue and darker blue for, for the more below average, and you cover in colour in the years above average in red, darker red for the years above average. You end up with a graph which goes from blue back in the in the nineteen forties and fifties and sixties, and it gradually shifts across to red. And over the last um, ten years or so, there's twelve years. There's, there's nothing in blue. You know, it, it gets warmer and warmer, and you can see visually. Uh, very clearly that the temperatures in the Isle of Man recorded at, at Ronald's Way um, have been rising and rising over that period. Um, that, that's that's the sort of longer term picture. The the one thing that uh, you could say about uh, the the colours on, on on these um, the, these sort of uh, visualizations of the temperature change is the changes the difference in changes to get from a a, a red to a blue or a blue to a red, as, as sadly is the, the direction we seem to be headed, um, that they're relatively small temperature changes, aren't they? And uh, perhaps the, 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 the strength of the colours um, indicates a much bigger uh, change. Uh, the colours try to make clear the change. I think if you didn't um, use greater distinction between uh, the changes in temperature, you know, it, it would disappear effectively. So the colours accentuate the change, perfectly accept that. But what we have got here is in the first 30 years or so that the Met Office operated, if you take the 30-year the period from 1951 through to 1980, the, the mean annual temperature of those 30 years 
was 9.45 degrees Celsius. The mean annual temperature of the 30 years from 1991 to 2020 was 10.41. So we've seen here, based on 30-year averages, a shift of almost one degree in just 75 years. Globally, the picture is running at 1.2 at the moment, 1.2 degrees rise. And that, again, sounds as if it's small. That's that's taken from 1880, usually, is, is the, the start date for that. So 1.2 degrees rise. And, and yeah, people say that that's a tiny amount. If you if you then ask people, okay, and 15,000 years ago, the Isle of Man was under a kilometre of ice. How much colder was it then than it is now? The answer is it was six degrees cooler. And that doesn't sound like a huge amount either. We can have that variation within a day, you know, six degrees. Temperature in the summer might rise from 15 to 21. Six degrees cooler, but at six degrees cooler, it was enough to mean that at the end of a summer you still had some of last year's snow on the hills not melted and, and if you've got some snow left and then there's more accumulation if that accumulates over thousands of years you get this change 1.2 degrees um, is significant it, it makes uh, that's running right around the planet it makes the atmosphere of this planet more it gives it higher energy it gives it greater capacity for um, evaporation therefore and um, changes in, in rainfall patterns and so on. It tips the balance in communities that are um, suffering from variable rainfall. That It tips the balance into greater drought. It tips the balance of, um, of ecology, of what insects are thriving and what aren't. Insects being found higher up hills than used to be and so on. Disease carrying insects. It changes all of that. It changes food production. It turns some areas of the earth into areas where it's more difficult to produce food. And uh, the, the um, United Nations and the International Panel on Climate Change and so on, they're trying to peg this global increase at 1.5 degrees. That looks unlikely, it's, it's the reality to it. If we hit a two degrees rise, we will we'll have lost all the warm water corals, you know, they, they'll be gone. When you're getting above two degrees, then you're entering the, the an area of feedback loops and you really can't predict what's going to happen you know if the permafrost melts and you get more methane in the atmosphere how's that going to affect it um but of course it's not the the climate change is not just about um warming it's also about um changes in in, in sea temperature it's about um, changes in the strength of wind in the frequency of uh, hurricanes etc there's a whole series of things in behind this um, and what these these stripes here show getting back to the Isle of Man the Isle of Man is part of this bigger picture the changes here are not the result of our emissions because the air that that um, at Ronald's way is what's passing over every day so we're capturing um, the air masses that are moving over the Isle of Man, as well as local conditions like cloud and so on, which will affect this. But we're part of this global picture. And um, yeah, it, it is one that over the longer term is concerning. That The biggest worry is that these changes, the best understanding is they're caused by um, increasing greenhouse gases, especially carbon dioxide. And the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is still the amount being put into the atmosphere is still rising 165 million tons a day 
and rising, okay, and and what goes into the atmosphere, carbon dioxide especially, stays there for between 300 and 1,000 years, so maybe up to 40 generations. So You talk about 165 million tonnes a day, but but how much is, of that is actually taken out by natural processes, by you know, trees and plankton in the seas and, and all that? Less than used to be is the reality to the trees because of the, the deforestation that's gone on. Um, I, I couldn't give you a figure off the top of my head on that. Um, yes, clearly uh, trees help that, but uh, in parts of the Amazon, the, the removal of trees has been to the extent that the air is perhaps contributing more CO2 oh. to, the, to the global atmosphere than it's removing at the moment. You're listening to Paul Crane, MLC. And it was quite, I, I, I was reading some uh, research recently, uh, which indicated that actually the seas now are the, the biggest uh, absorbers of carbon, um, not least in terms of acidification of the ocean, but also in terms of uh, the photosynthesis that takes place primarily with uh, uh, plankton, um, that uh, phytoplankton that um, convert the carbon dioxide into into oxygen. Um, so the seas are really quite important to all this, yes, and uh, we tend to be worrying, particularly at, at well, the Isle of Man, we're worried about the the temperature and how warm is it going to be, and do we need a coat or don't we need a coat or whatever. Um, but actually, the the increases in temperatures in the sea have potentially double whammies here. Not only do they can a means of reducing the amount of or the impact of the carbon that we're releasing into the atmosphere uh, but there's also uh, the uh, the energy contained in the ocean yeah, affects our weather doesn't it it does yes yes the oceans in particular absorb some of the heat but um, in doing so that is leaving warmer oceans although again we're, we're not talking huge figures you know those who um, went bathing in the sea on New Year's Day or so, I'm sure would not be saying, <laughs> oh, how warm the ocean is now. But these are, uh, the, the oceans are warming up. Um, that uh, is increasing the frequency and severity of um, uh, tornadoes, typhoons, a, a range of things. Typhoons, hurricanes, uh, um, these are the, the same things, different names in different parts of the world. But um, the intensity of those is increasing. You can see how the language changes. I think back in, in the early 90s when um, uh, th- there was a, um, hurricanes hitting Florida that were very high speed. And I think it was only geography teachers who would have been able to describe the category of the hurricane using the Saffir-Simpson scale. You know, it's a category four hurricane, category five hurricane. No one else was using that terminology. But now everybody sort of says, oh, it's a category five, you know, and they have an understanding, even if they might not know that that's called the Saffir-Simpson scale. But, um, yeah, these have increased. They're, They're crucially based on temperatures of the sea in the top 80 meters or something you know and, and it's the the wind blowing over temperatures sea temperatures of 26 27 celsius that, that is the basis of, of, of hurricanes forming you know so um, and, and of course as we found in recent weeks um there's there's an awful lot more rain in the clouds uh-huh. and it comes down a lot quicker they have haven't they it's it, it the change is more to do with the intensity of the rain when it comes i i saw um the Met Office uh, down at Ronald's Way produced their um, summary f- uh, for the year and, and talked about the fact that the rainfall was about 100 millimetres less than usual last year. But the sunshine was greater, an, an extra six hours, uh, and the, the temperature, as I say, had hit this record. Um, 
So the rainfall, uh, uh, certainly our experience of it in the Isle of Man, and although we we did have a period of, of um, drought conditions and hosepipe bans and so on last summer, the the main rainfall impact that there's been is is, is these really intense rainfall periods. You know, and we saw that, as you say, earlier this week. You know, we had some very intense rainfall with local flooding very quickly uh, out around. I come in from uh, into Douglas from. Um, from around and, and there was flooding down below the school and, and Balhutchin Hill was the worst I've seen it in 20 years of living out there and then the Strang Road was, was flooded and so on and um, very quickly the, this happened. Yeah, this this is quite new, this intense uh, flooding and then we've had some overtopping too so far this year at the, at the sea. The When we talk about sea temperature rising the, the the change in temperature is part of the reason for sea level rise. You know, it, it, I think most people assume it's the melting ice, but when the sea's warmer, it expands thermally. So, globally, the amount of um, sea level rise appears small. You know, twenty two centimeters is the sort of figures that I'm seeing. Um, by the end of the century, expected to be forty centimeters. So, it's a change. But when you're getting lower pressures and stronger wind if that comes on shore then that extra 20 centimeters means the difference between limited overtopping and much greater overtopping and that's why there's work going on around the the island's coasts and harbors and so on to, to put walls in place to protect against this um because it's 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 sea temperature change that's that's triggering this when, when you think of known temperatures you way down to minus two seven three or something two seven, like yeah that. something like that uh, right the way up to thousands and thousands of degrees centigrade um the overall scheme of thing this is a fraction of a tiny fraction of a percentage mm-hmm. of, of, of change in temperature uh, but of course when you when you look at this in the the livable zone, the zone yeah. in which the, yeah. the planet and ca- can allow us to exist as a species, um, it becomes a more significant amount, doesn't it? It, it does. You know, the, the uh, those um, astronomers looking for for um, exoplanets, etc., um, talk about planets in the Goldilocks zones where there could be life, because there could be liquid water, etc., etc. We're used to that as a norm here, but. Um, you know, our planet has not always been like that. You know, there have been times when it's much more frozen in, in the past than it is today, uh, times when it's been much warmer than it is today, and, and these run on a number of cycles and a number of variables within that. But what's happening at the moment um, is not explained by any of those cycles, you know, the so-called Milankovitch cycles, and it's not explained by those. Um, the the, the uh, most obvious explanation of it is, is the, the change that's going going on because of human activity but you're right we 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 can't live in all parts of the planet you couldn't produce food in, in all parts of the planets you know living in in northern greenland would be extremely problematic for you in many other parts of, of the planet um living in in the desert areas would be impossible so we we do operate within quite a confined range and and it's i think it's narrower than most people think people think of food production and they think oh if it's warmer the, the the crops will grow faster but once you're getting above about 36 degrees celsius most crops will have falling yields above that so if temperatures are rising above that the crops are in in, in trouble you know and yes and, and same with fisheries yeah. i know, know a little bit about uh, fisheries uh, from my former roles but 
Um, <clears throat> in, in warmer seas, fish tend to grow quicker, but of course the acidification of the sea yeah. means that uh, any, any gains from, from warmer seas yeah. uh, are, are potentially going to be lost by uh, the, the acidification. Especially for shellfish, mm. yeah, that, that's mm. true. Of course, the bigger picture still than this is that um, climate change, even though we've, we've looked at the range from air temperature, sea temperatures and, and so on, rainfall, that's only part of the bigger picture because the bigger picture is that we've also got um, biodiversity loss. We've got um, losses of habitats, lots of losses of species. Many um, scientific experts would describe this as being the sixth extinction because of what's going on here. Um, the, the speed of the decline of species matches the previous big five extinctions, the, the most famous of which is the one when the dinosaurs were wiped out 65 million odd years ago. So we've got these other issues going on. We've got plastics getting everywhere, you know, plastics in the ocean. Um, frightening study earlier this year of um, new mothers in England showed that 75% of the mothers had plastic in their breast milk you know, because of what they'd eaten. And so we've, we've got this range of things going on which actually shout out the abuse that we have, have um, fostered on this planet, really. It's, it, it, it's extraordinary, you know. And, 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 and knowing all this, to, to a fashion, uh, it's, it's a good thing that... Uh, Globally now, uh, it's it's rare to find a politician who's who's not prepared to say actually we need to do something about this. But in a way, is that not more dangerous? The fact that the the rhetoric and the language has changed to say, oh yes, yes, we must do something about it, and yet still very little uh, of great significance seems to be happening. I would agree with that. That um, in a sense, if it becomes um, any slightly less alarmist, as it were, then then people begin to live with it you know and, and settle back and and uh, yeah I think I think that is a danger it's been interesting in the last um, few weeks to see some sources uh, the, the big operation drawdown project in the United States um, was talking I read something this week they were talking about light at the end of the tunnel in the sense that we may before too long reach the point where the carbon emissions are beginning to fall now that that's not as good as it sounds because so long as they still exist we're adding to the carbon you know and that's that's the problem it's it lasts so long in the atmosphere that um what we've created now is also already going to be like that for, for up to 40 generations going down you know so it's not just our children's children it's way beyond that yes there is um, some signs of that we would be hoping uh, the isle of man very late getting on on board with addressing this but we've we've got a uh, the climate change act and we've got our, our first five-year plan under that act um with uh, attempts to reduce emissions across all sectors on the island it's going to take time to to build some momentum on that but the the hope would be that we begin to see the you know, man emissions clearly measurably falling you know and that's what we're we're looking towards and, and of course with better leadership uh, some years ago um we we could have insulated ourselves uh, forgive the pun from a lot of the problems that we're currently facing in relation to global energy prices yes. had had we yes. um embraced the opportunities yes. uh, that were available five ten years ago to better insulate our homes to to move 
to more sustainable uh, energy production systems, uh, we we would have we could have ridden this particular storm a lot better. Yes, that's absolutely right. You know, if, if we'd had a greater diversity of energy production instead of being so dependent on gas, but position we're in now, we're, we're and still hoping to move to carbon neutral electricity production by 2030. You know, and that's. That's coming quite soon. We're looking to see 35% reduction in emissions on the um, the 2018 data, uh, revised slightly since to, to, to adjust that to make it uh, more accurate. We're looking to see 35% reduction on that by um, 2030, and, and that's that's ambitious. That's uh, you know it'll, it'll take a lot to achieve that, and that's where. Um, the work being done, uh, as I say, on, on um, electricity production, on, on getting some uh, onshore renewables, perhaps 20 megawatts by 2026, is, is built in there. But also seeing um, houses better insulated, you know, the sort of fabric first approach, um, and then looking at uh, um, transport strategies developing and waste strategies developing and so on. So, so all of these areas, it'll not be solved by one of them. It, it's right across it, it it if you stop and think about it in terms of the the scale of the social and technological change that's coming in these next 30 years as we move down to zero emissions it, it it's a very substantial change in our lifestyles but the reality is we've been um using and my generation as as, as bad as ever we've been um using hydrocarbons burning them, uh, manufacturing them into plastics and so on. We've been doing this um, for, for a considerable period of time and with hindsight, it, it has not been a good technology. I know it's served us well. Some people point that out to me very strongly. Haven't we done well? Wouldn't we be behind where we are in terms of development if we hadn't had oil? Well, that may be true, but it doesn't mean to say it's been good for this planet by any means. You know? And, and in, in essence, we have, as in the course of maybe three generations, um, caused an awful lot of the problems that uh, many, many future generations are going to uh, struggle to, to, to tackle. Are, are you confident that we're going to get somewhere with this? And sadly, it's going to be only a, a few seconds uh, to, to answer. Yes, I am. I, you know, I think uh, as time goes on, um, there'll be stronger and stronger feelings. I think uh, the... the um, uh, consultations that have been done show in particular that, that um, the younger the people are in the population, the more committed they are to the, to the changes that have to take place. They're, they're looking with a longer term view and and um, I think that's very powerful. I think to credit to many of the, the companies on the Isle of Man that have got their um, ESG principles and they're committed to climate change. Some of them trying to hit carbon zero by 2030, which is pushing government really because they're they're running ahead of the government picture, and that that's great to see. But it's not universal yet, and, and we, we've got to carry people forwards. There will be costs to it, but there'll also be savings, and that's the crucial thing to see as we switch to heat pumps for our housing I instead of fossil fuels. You know, the, the energy efficiency of some of these systems is, is absolutely amazing. You know, what you'll get out of your electricity um, multiplied, you know, several times over from just using an electric fire um, so the, the efficiency of these will be remarkable and, and increasingly the experts are telling us that um, nearly all houses can benefit from a heat pump. You know, it, it doesn't have to have um, uh, uh, the, the, the most modern build styles and things like that, you know. That was Paul Crane, MLC.
Adrian Cowan from the Met Office says it's interesting that, in line with expectations from international climate change models, many parts of the planet have seen some further extreme weather events as well as new record-breaking climatic records for rainfall and or temperatures across all seasons in 2022. Are you convinced by the statistics or are you just happier that we appear to be having warmer, sunnier weather? Let me know your thoughts and views on the programme by contacting philgorn at manxradio.com and get in touch if you have any ideas for future shows. Don't forget this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now though, I'm Phil Gorn. Goromayu, thanks for listening. <laughs>